Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walchef with Cali Comfort Barbecue. We're recording above the butcher shop. My man Derek Marceau from Valley Farm Market. We are at episode number 95, and we are here to talk about craft beer in San Diego. Yeah, I mean, think about the boom that's happened in the past, you know, 15 years and uh, since Prohibition and everything that's gone on with the beer industry. It's amazing to see how they've kind of uh, helped each other grow. We talk about it a lot and, um, you know, we always were firm believers in a rising tide lifts all ships. So, you know, don't try to cannibalize your opponent or, I mean, you don't even need to say opponent, but, you know, brewer and and grow, grow together. So it's a... Uh, we try to take a little bit from that in the barbecue scene and uh, implement it to what we do. But seeing the craft beer scene and the growth in it. And now, you know, it's kind of getting a little stagnant on the the, the high side of, of where it's going. And you're starting to see some of those breweries that might not have known what they were doing and had a good idea. They might have brewed a, a you know, a batch of five gallons and thought they were really good and uh, realized that uh, it's a whole lot different when you scale it. Um, so, but welcome guys. Um, these are the guys from tap craft. We got Peacock and Travis. Welcome. Thank you guys so much from, uh, for coming into and shooting the shit with us. And you came bearing gifts. Oh yes. We got a six and a half percent. I'd imagine it's an IPA. Yes. So this first beer is resilience. Resilience. So if you remember, we had the, all the catastrophic fires up in Northern California Mm -hmm. last year. So Sierra Nevada being right in the middle of it. Um, what can we do to help? Sure. I remember right. the, the whole thing that they were talking about. So they came up with this resilience recipe and they put it out to the entire brewing community across the country. And what are we now? Over 6,000 breweries nationwide. And what was the final number? I can't even keep track of it. 4,000 breweries wow. nationwide and 100% of the proceeds... Uh, go to this resilience fund. And uh, my wife and I, uh, after a delicious breakfast at Cali Comfort this past, <laughs> this past Sunday, uh, we were up in Orange County and a student uh, of mine had asked us to stop by, hey, if you're ever in the neighborhood. So we were coming down, uh, down Interstate 5 through Laguna Hills, stopped by this place, Gamecraft Brewing Company. And first, the, the, whenever I go out drinking, first thing I ask do you have a charity beer on on tap? Because mm-hmm. I want to support sure. support those that are supporting others. It's a good cause. You're doing it for whatever. I don't even care. Let me throw in my you know eight bucks or whatever it is. And it's an excuse to drink. I have to do it. I yes. have to support charity. Yes. So I have to go and have a beer. Absolutely. Otherwise, you look like a jerk, right? right? Yeah. Okay. Well, we didn't want to do that. <laughs> so I was really surprised to see that resilience was still up on the board. So of course, let me have a resilience. Uh, oh my gosh, they they nailed it. And uh, then in anticipation of coming here, you know what, let's take some on the road, put it in a crowler and uh, bring it on down and share it with the boys. Isn't that crazy now what they're doing and being able to put that in a crowler? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's right. pretty cool. Yeah, the technology is phenomenal. Of course, it starts with great beer. And like you were alluding to, we're going through some adjustments right, right now in the craft uh, beer growth here, not just in town, but I think eventually the adjustment will go nationwide. You know, 7,000, when are we going to hit 7,000 breweries? Yeah. I know we've got another 20, 25 slated here for San Diego. We'll put us over 200. Right. You know. Uh, what was it before prohibition? 
It was pretty high. We haven't we haven't reached it yet. I know yeah, that. no, it was pretty high, and and it was a different world. Small barrels, yeah, smaller barrels. different world. And what defined a, a, a brewer it wasn't craft brewing. It was right. just you were just a brewery, right? And you know they probably were nano breweries, right? They're probably just a little small. Uh, I, yeah, I would ima- I would imagine so. And you know the the definition of a brewer, you know, listen the <laughs> the, the the people that make moonshine, they're distillers Distillers, sure right sure yeah true that so anyway um so i figured we'd start off with this charity beer because uh and we'll get into it as we get into the conversation we're all about uh the philosophy of of tapcraft and myself personally we're all in this thing together right whether it's from a business standpoint from a personal standpoint uh we're, we're not getting out of here alive, right. all of us, that's for sure. And while we're here, why not join arms and, you know, celebrate our successes and share our burdens. And, and there you go. These people are hurting. We, uh, we were up installing stone in Napa and the project was delayed because, because of all of the, all of the contractors, houses burned down wow, so wow. i mean it delayed the opening of the stone up in napa and my wife and i went up there for a road trip and you could see the the land was scarred but green was starting to pop up right. from that so mother nature she can take care of herself for the most part so it's the fellow humans you know so if we can do it over some beer cheers yeah, cheers Absolutely. guys yeah, thanks cheers. for bringing us in Absolutely. yeah no problem so out of your love of beer and your love of learning came the business of beer. That's kind of the, the birth Jesus. of tap craft. You, you design draft systems right. for restaurants, breweries. Right. So, right. So my personal, my personal resume is a long and winding road. Been in the beer, <laughs> been in the beer industry, actually been in the food service industry 40 years bus and tables yep. uh and everything in between everything short of owning a place of our own yeah. uh front of the house back of the house um all of that um and then back in 1989 uh about to get out of restaurant management budweiser coors and miller were courting me throwing money in my direction hey peacock come work for us come work for us work for a sports bar up in in uh, hermosa beach okay uh, owned by george brett and his brothers and the place was just that's a whole podcast in and of itself <laughs> well there's some businessmen yeah like brett brothers oh yeah right yeah so cj brett's you yeah, probably heard of it absolutely. yeah back in the back in the 80s anyway so uh i was going out in the trade i was going to get you know i've open enough restaurants, manage enough restaurants, let's go, you know, put these skills to the test. And all the beer companies wanted me to go work for them. I went to work for Coca-Cola. I went <laughs> to work them. for Coca-Cola. Dude saved my life and ultimately sent me down a, a, a pathway of uh, being a technician and then ultimately going into sales. And they took me to school and who better to go to school than uh, have Coca-Cola pick it up. So yeah, I learned, learned a few things. And uh, here we are. Fast forward to uh, five years ago, the business of craft beer at San Diego State uh, uh, program through College of Extended Studies was born. I was getting into the beer industry with the company that I was working with. Uh, and bam, it's been. So you were a student in the program. I was one of the original 27 uh, students that graduated with the first level certificate. Uh, 
Awesome. And hilarious. Uh, Bill Sysak at the time from Stone and Scott Scott Blair uh, from Hamilton's were instructors in the program. Oh, Peacock, congratulations. You know, this <laughs> that. Oh, by the way, we need you to teach a class in the program. <laughs> so the so, first level, is that still called the beer server? No, that, first, no. So, uh, so you got your real Cicerone. Well, actually, it's support Cicerone. Okay. Um, so the program at San Diego State, the way it was originally designed, they started with like seven or eight classes. Uh, if you take six of the classes, you get level one. Okay. And then take nine classes and you get level two. Well, now we're up to 14 wow. or 15 classes five years impressive. later. Yeah. So, and I teach Very two, impressive. I teach two of those classes. Okay. What classes are those? Draft systems. Okay. So draft systems one, uh, which we're going to have our 12th session in March and a March. Uh, and then draft systems two will follow that in May for the so the first time teaching draft systems. So give two. us draft systems one hundred and one for the people that don't understand that listen around the world well, that actually don't have draft systems. Yeah, I was just gonna say something to you know the listeners, people that are starting you know restaurants and breweries and or uh, you know if they're what they're doing, it is so important to right. understand it. And right. I think it's something that gets overlooked because it's out of sight, out of mind. So right. if your glycol system, you can't really see everything is tucked right. away. You're not really worried about your lines because you can't see if it has diacetyl on it, whatever it is, right. you can't see it. Right. So you don't know, but guys like me who I, you know, if I'm, if you're pouring me a beer, I'll be able to taste it right away. Right. And if it's contaminated or whatever it right. is. So it's important to make sure you have, you know, clean lines that you're taking care of stuff that you can get a short run if possible. Um, but I'll let you, you're, you're well, the expert on all that. Well, so it goes wanna... back. So why a draft system? Well, I'm, I'm opening up a restaurant and I want to ha- I have a full liquor license. I can sell beer, liquor, wine. Why, why should I install a draft system? So a draft system, the, the short answer to that is your business model and your business, you're going into business to make profit, right? So you yes. want to be in the black, not in the red. The the draft beverages, and this goes actually take a step back, not just draft beer, draft wine, coffee, kombucha, whatever crazy stuff you want to put through the draft system. That's all revenue stream and it's all highly profitable, right? So whatever you're procuring your, your list of what you're going to, of what you're going to sell, um, you're procuring that based on the quality of the product that goes with your style of restaurant, whether it's a, a barbecue restaurant, uh, a pizza joint, a Mexican restaurant, right? So you've tasted it, you've sampled it, uh, you're sold on it. And that is awesome. That's going to go great with my, you know, pulled pork chilaquiles, right? Which sure. actually go with quite a few things on, on your, <laughs> on your draft list, by the way. Um, so, you as a business owner, you're the retailer, you're delivering that to the consumer. Yes. Right. So you tasted it. You want to have that great ah, moment for your guests when they drink that whatever. So the brewer, the manufacturer, they've done their job. Mm-hmm. The draft system is the final delivery piece to get that into the glass before the guest puts it to their lips smells the aroma that's uh, you first taste with your nose 90 percent of taste is is through your nose so to have that you've got to have proper carbonation well now we get into the science of it it's got to be the beer has to be handled properly the beverage has to be handled properly before it's even hooked up to the system needs to acclimate to the right temperature 
yep. needs to be served at the right temperature mm. in clean glassware, clean proper technique from the, the server, from the tender that's pouring it and uh, don't let it sit on the bar waiting at the beverage station for yep. 10 minutes. It's going to warm up to a temperature that's not optimal. You want to get it there at the right time. And it's, so it's all, it's not just one thing. The draft system, a properly designed and executed draft system has absolutely zero impact on the product because the product is perfect going in, right? I just need to get it out of that 15 and a half gallon can that yeah. it's in, right? And 16 ounce, you know, 22 ounce serving, what whatever it is and get it to the table, get it to the table in time. Oh, and the glass needs to be clean. Right. Uh, what is that? A, a nice sanitizer essence <laughs> right. on that. Uh, you know, and that that's even how are you rinsing the glasses? Yeah. Is your water filtered yeah. or are you giving it a nice San Diego fluoride <laughs> ammonia burst up into the glassware? What do you mean? Our water is beautiful here. Oh, I know. It's just, isn't it the best? Just Dude, I was the, cracking. I was cracking. Shit up. That comes <laughs> the bot, the last person to get. I was cracking water. up when I was listening <clears throat> to Sean McElhaney talk, talk mm -hmm. about the water up there at Alpine. <laughs> oh yeah. That's uh, yeah. Yeah. We won't open, we won't go behind that curtain, but yeah, yeah. the water up there is, yeah, it's all, this is mostly water. Yep. Right. More so. to his point too, with, with a draft system, you're, you're basically pulling a handle and you're filling a glass as opposed to like, if you're serving wine, you're fumbling with a bottle, you have to find a, a an opener, that type of thing. So <coughs> it's more, uh, uh, kind of a employee cost type of thing where if, if you, if you have 30 taps pouring a beer straight from there, instead of, you know, like I said, fumbling around with a, a wine bottle or, um, you know, opening cans of whatever else. So it's, it's, you know, streamlining your, your process of getting a beverage to a, to your customer. Yeah. I mean, um, when we were going from eight taps to building a keg room with 24 taps, the thing that I didn't understand was the cost associated with going from a small pony keg that we were buying to an actual keg right and what that just that actual hard cost was sure. the the difference in that and sure what that brought our poor cost down which is sure. significant yeah. sure and we have that so what you're talking about is the difference between a six barrel yep. which is just over five gallons mm -hmm. and a half barrel which is 15 and a half gallons yeah so uh, you know back in the day when it was budweiser miller light coors light those are loggers, uh, the style of beer. Loggers are pretty bulletproof. It's hard to screw them up. Um, temperature is important, but it's not as important. Clean lines are important, but not as important uh, as they are now. Now enter the crap, well, and $75 a keg. Yeah. Now enter 2019, you've got some half barrels that are north of $200 yep. yeah. and you've got some six barrels that are approaching, you know, a buck and a half yep. and you know, Oh my gosh, liquid gold. You're not kidding. You're not kidding. Uh, and the, the liquid, that's where we get into some of the science of it. The fluid dynamics of it are a little more important and uh, you know, you got to treat her right. You treat her right and she will deliver all day long, sure. but uh, very finicky. And there's some certain styles that, you know, Hefeweizen's, uh, whip beers. 
oh my gosh, boy, are they picky about the temperature and the pressure and, you know, the cleanliness of the lines and, oh my gosh, otherwise you got a glass full of foam. I mean, I think there's such a huge education component that goes to it until you've had a quality beer and a maintained line and you understand all the things that went into that step of the process. It's kind of like craft barbecue until you understand what's happening at Franklin's and Austin, Texas, you know, that he's, he's using a single barrel pit and he's smoking off of that until you understand that process and how much love and care goes into that. It's hard for you to appreciate because then you just might go, you know, around the world when I'm in Bulgaria, they don't care about draft systems. You know, they order bottled beer because they believe that the bottle is going to have the best quality. Right. Because the, if there are any lines, they're not maintained and they look right. like, and they taste like shit. Right. So the cleanliness aspect of it, so that's that's gigantic. So a good friend of ours, Paul Segura, maybe you heard of him from Carl mm-hmm. Strauss. He's Paul. Paul and I have known each other. Geez, twenty five years when he was with Hang Ten, back <laughs> with the yeah, back with the Cone Restaurant yeah. Group. Yeah, and uh, uh, he was really excited to hear that I was going to be teaching the class uh, at San Diego State. He teaches at the UCSD program. Um, one of the comments he made, and I actually, I quote him in class, he goes, you know, Peacock, I'm still, uh, you know, yeah, I'm a brewer. I spend 90% of my time cleaning. Doing dishes? Cleaning. You're more of a dishwasher than you are <laughs> Absolutely. a brewer. And, and in a brewery, it's pretty aggressive dishwashing <laughs> yeah. with, a, with a hose and, you know, 120 degree, 140 degree water and, you know, climbing into the barrels, uh, you know, into and the And then if you throw in a sour... If you're doing anything with the Britannomyces around, you're, oh, you better, yeah. you're really, you're like 99% washing dishes and cleaning. So shit. his thing, so his thing was, well, wait a minute. If I spend 90% of my time in breweries as a whole making this product, 90% of the time is cleaning. Why should that stop at the draft system? Right. And, uh, you know, old school, there's some, and, and I'm going to throw out my first uh, real world scenario here. There are some dive bars, yeah. old school. They've been around 40, 50 years. Um, they do not want you to touch their draft system because, and this is a quote directly from a, a dive bar owner. I've got the best tasting Coors Light in town and my my draft system is properly seasoned. Hmm. Hmm. No, you don't see, you season a grill. Yeah. You don't season draft lines. You yeah. want draft lines to be, sure. and, and you go into these places, the lines that are supposed to be clear are opaque. Yeah. They're supposed to be flexible and you go to bend them and they you know, snap, crackle, pop. Um, it's just, uh, you know, stainless components. Uh, no, they're chrome plated brass. No, excuse me. They're just brass components now because the chrome left 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, Coors Light's not supposed to taste like anything. Yeah. And that's one of the beauties of Coors Light, award-winning beer. It's the standard in the industry for how clean it is times how many barrels do they make a year right. of that 8 billion barrels of Coors Light. Well, if I need something to clean my clean my palate, mm-hmm. something that I can throw, you know, 40 of them down on a hot after, summer afternoon out in the field, Coors Light's my... That, Only 40? That, it's my jam. 44, yeah, 44, 44. right? Yeah, maybe 44, depends. But to, to, you know, test that, I mean, literally, when I got done with my classes, the first beer I went to was a Coors Light. Right. And it was just like, 
someone put so much time and effort into that yes. recipe and it's amazing for what right. it is. And you can't, you can't, you know, take anything away from them. Right. It's amazing to have that beer and I'll, I drink it to this day, you know? Well, and you talk about, uh, so studying for your Cicerone, one of the things that they do is they give you off flavors, yep. right? So they have, uh, they've, de- they've developed it. I'm sure over the last 10 years now they have these off flavor kits. Okay. Well, you can use, uh, I need a beer to put this off flavor in. Put it in Coors Light because that's a nice neutral, right. nothing, right. right? So anything that we put in there should jump should jump out of you, whether it's you know the the buttery or the you know wet soggy cardboard off taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, to, so as a learning tool, yeah. I'm, and you talked about scalability. Yeah, that's making five gallons of something awesome is fantastic you know dave adams from green flash talks about it make that now a thousand times right the same exact awesome (laughs) and 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 now we can get started and now you've got to convert that recipe and you know i'm talking to some chefs here in the room Uh, you scalability making one uh portion of whatever yeah now let's scale it up now we've got a party of 500 that we need to do. Yeah. There's some scalability, Logistics, right? A lot of it. We see it a lot. Right. So it's not a straight across equation. And I leave that for the brewers. Right. So in our business, we're, uh, I call, I draw the line production. That's all the brewers making the product. Mm-hmm. We're post-production. You've already made it. Now we need to deliver it. So that's where there's, listen, there are plenty of brewers here in town across the world, you know, whether it's Sean McElhaney or, uh, you know, the team out at Burning Beard or Bill Sobieski up at uh, Wild Barrel. I mean, on and on and on. We've got, you know, all the hit, uh, all the Paul Segura's, all the top brewers. When we were were going from eight to 24 taps and we had people coming in and be like, you should do your own beer. You should, you guys should brew. I'm like, why the fuck would I brew my own beer? Exactly. So many fucking amazing beers in san diego why not just let them do what they do best and celebrate what we do and pair it with barbecue well or how how about this let me get through all of those yeah and learn from them yeah and if there's any time left maybe maybe (laughs) we'll right i mean it's you talk about it and we talk about scalability and we see it in barbecue people that you know can go out and win a KCBS competition and you know they can make really really good quality barbecue right well now do that and uh, try to do three million dollars a year in a restaurant right it's a completely different animal and with your with the water right so if I'm just doing because I used to homebrew all the time and I don't do it much anymore but everything was exactly the same Mm -hmm. but i don't know about my water because it's just you know i don't Mm -hmm. know really what i was Mm -hmm. getting i don't know how many parts per million and Mm -hmm. all that stuff so now i gotta scale that and how many barrels am i gonna do and i'm like dude you're lost you're absolutely lost and it it varies from location to location you know you see a lot of these breweries that are going like uh from california to colorado or the east coast your beer ain't the same Right. I promise you it's not no, the same. No, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. Uh, back early in my career, I think it was actually the second restaurant I worked at. It was uh, Gino's East uh, of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they uh, let us entertain you, uh, brought the concept out to Southern California. Really? And we had a, we opened a location up in Manhattan Beach. Right. And sandwich. Di- deep dish, deep dish Chicago style pizza yeah. that is just, just 
unbelievable. I mean, I'm getting chills right now. Just, uh, oh man, I'm hungry too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so obviously it's all about the pizza, yeah. right? Well, they had their own special sausages and this cheese out of Joliet and they had this dough and the pans and everything. And they brought the executive chef out here to train our staff and uh, all kinds of colorful language coming from the kitchen. I was working front of the house. I was working front of the house. I was at, I was out on the floor and uh, you know, they're cooking these, cooking these pies, putting them up for us to take out. And you know, Oh my gosh, we can't get we can't get the dough right. It, and they're beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And listen, I'm a Southern California boy. I deep dish pizza. This I've never experienced anything like this in my life. How is this not amazing? Amazing, right? But you know, chef, <laughs> chef being chef, uh, sure. I, I, I get it. Brewmaster being brewmaster, right? Um, and I was what in my early twenties. It just this smart ass little punk and i made the comment from my our side of the line i'm all well we're not in chicago the water's different here and he had a knife in his hand and i swear he was coming over the counter coming at me because i must have been the way that i said it you what are you right coming after me and they had to hold him back and uh that was it. That's what it is. That's, that's exactly what it was. What it was. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. Yeah. The next day, FedEx showed up with two five-gallon sparklets bottle of Lake Michigan water. Uh-huh. Problem solved. Then the next day, they had a, a, a water chemist come in. They installed, and this was back in the early 80s. Wow. They installed a water filtration system. And back then, the price tag was north of $10,000 just for this one water spigot. And you could not, that was only for making dough. (laughs) And the rest is history. So they got the water profile. So back in the 80s, whether it's making pizza or whether you're talking to Sean at Alpine, this, yep. his secret ingredients is the water. Part of the reason why our West Coast IPAs are are so awesome is because of the hard water out here in the West Coast. Yep. New England IPAs, no, the water is d- different back there. Yeah. And when I was back in Virginia Beach installing uh, the green flashback there, I went out to dinner and, you know, ooh, a double New England IPA or you, sh- I or went into one of the local places. Oh, are you sure about that? Right. Young man, I want to make sure that, you know, you know what you're getting yourself into. It's it listen, it's delicious. You think right. the you think the Cicerone is different now? Yeah. They have books written on just water. Really? And it's the it's the pardon the pun, but it's the driest reading that you'll ever do. <laughs> right. Because it's just straight water and it's like all chemicals and I'm it's so fucking happy I'm not doing it now. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's insane nice. how they No, I've heard I mean I've just heard stories about people that tell me that they're you know, I actually send um when I hire new employees that do my beer, wine, and liquor, I'll send them to different classes uh, to just get their beer server, or whatever, just to you know, just so they Something. get a little bit of knowledge right. on on what's going on. And they're they're coming back and they're telling me, I'm like, you had to do that for the beer server, right? Like, yep. Yeah, I'm like, right. Wow, that's that's actually pretty cool, you know. Yep. But it's uh, there's a lot of stuff people don't understand what goes into it. It's very, 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 very meticulous on in not everyone's palate is there and that's okay. And it's, you know, you just have to f- kind of figure it out. I just was blessed with a really, really refined palate. It's something that I did crazy. It's just, well, I, there's, I, I there's something like out. 180 different beer styles now. So yeah. it's, I mean, you're trying to get your knowledge sure nailed down on just 
just a few styles is it's even well and, and, and even looking at our beer out here our beer is pretty shitty if you really think about it compared to like you know a european beer and how how well balanced a lot of those U- european beers are we're getting a lot better out here um but when you were talking about your beard and what you named it you know that that was my favorite favorite beer style you know but now they're it's they're different styles everywhere man and sure. it's like man i i can't even keep up what are we drinking now i mean i'm talking about you're bringing in lots of good stuff <laughs> yeah it's uh if we're going to talk about it we got to talk about it sure so one of our one of our very good friends actually third anniversary coming up coming up east county out here in east county uh burning beard Amazing. in el, el cajon yep. i mean jeff and mike when i first met them it was it was a tough sell. Uh, Tapcraft were not were not the least expensive in town mm-hmm. uh, by far. But but here's the thing: I've been in this industry long enough. I can justify. I want to spend your money, right? But I don't want to spend all of your money. But I want to spend the right amount of money, and I can justify return on investment every single one of these line items. Okay. So uh, I said the right things. Uh, here, here we go. They went, they went with us. The space is amazing, and the brewing is just. Is Shannon still there? Phenomenal. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Lady Beards. Oh yeah. yeah, and a lot, a couple of them. Uh, who's out there? Stina. Uh, who's students of mine? Stina, and I think that's it. Shannon, I'm probably going to have come in and guest speak in one of my classes. Uh, it's just phenomenal, actually, and we're going to do a workshop out there. Yes. And maybe for draft systems too, we'll have a we'll have a site. Also, so when, when also you, the coolest so tap this handles is, in so, uh, yeah, San Diego. Yeah, yeah, really. Jeff, so Jeff made those by Jeff made those by hand, mm-hmm. and we're and he's like, I get this text twelve thirty at night, one in the morning, and he's like shooting me pictures of he's in the shop handcrafting these tap handles. Awesome. In his yeah, it's all it's a metal working shop. He's what second generation consolidated yeah. metals. I think that was his grandfather's place um, out there. So this is a Burning Beard. It's a, a 32-ounce crowler of their bank Banksy, which is an uh, an ESB, extra special bitter, which is not. That's just a name. It's I don't know that the bitterness is. It is extra special. It's a, it's a, bronze, it's a bronze medal winning beer. No big deal. Right. You, uh, guys, need, you guys need more. Great American? Uh, yeah. Nice, dude. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's that's hard just in itself. You know, getting those awards and those, you know, getting recognized. I mean, you're seeing a lot of these smaller breweries get recognized because they're really, you know, putting the time and effort into their craft. <clears throat> so you go to the class. You're one of the top, the first 27. Right. And you were already thinking about doing this or well, how, so how did this the, come about? At the, at the, the time, craft. at the time I, the program started, I was working for a national beverage gas company. So, uh, nitrous. Well, <laughs> we'll yes, that's the punchline. Yeah. You, I'll give you the cue on when to say that. Um, uh, so back before Anheuser-Busch was purchased by InBev, uh, and was still family owned, they were getting their ass kicked nationally on their draft beer systems. 80% of the service calls were gas related Hmm. so anheuser-busch and i forget which i forget which one it was they go you know what let's 
we need to address this, nip it in the bud nationally because, you know, some of their other branches were being affected similarly. So they created this uh, entity called the Center for Draft Excellence. And it was uh, four companies nationally, Anheuser-Busch, Micromatic, who is an equipment manufacturer, and at the time, Tap Dynamics, which had uh, technology uh, that monitored the sales. So it was plugged into your draft system, plugged in your point of sale system, and you could track how much, you know, how or, much of that Budweiser, or how, what's your yield out of that mm-hmm. 15 gallons, how much you're selling. Yep. Are you getting, you know, 15, 15 and a half gallons should be 124 16 ounce servings. Well, no, it was <laughs> not that. So right. Tap Dynamics, uh, rest in peace, they're, they're long gone, but um, supported that. And then the gas component was this company out of Florida called New CO2, beverage gas company. Uh, beverage grade CO2 was the only thing that they sold. Uh, they were invited in, Hey, we've got a national sales team. We can roll out this program just like that nationally through the 50 some sales reps, 150 some depots, and we can nip this thing quickly. Well, no sooner did then no sooner than the program rolled out, InBev came in, oh, here, here's $94 billion. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Are you interested? You know, that's a pretty big carrot. Um, And it shifted their focus. So, but new CO2 was already on the hook and they had invested in quality uh, gas equipment and hey, let's go into the beer industry. Primarily, they were serving restaurants and supporting Coca-Cola and and Pepsi and other beverages with mm-hmm. their beverage grade CO2. But hey, let's get let's get into this beer thing. And that's when nitrous, I'm um, excuse me, <laughs> nitrogen is a beer gas. So let's develop. Uh, let's partner with McDantum and have a, a proprietary gas blender. It blends the CO2 and the nitrogen. Uh, for the different blends. Let's uh, partner with a company out of Chicago and make a nitrogen generator because nitrogen is 78% in the air around us. So you can make a glorified air compressor, pull the molecules out of the air, clean them, separate them and put them in storage very easily. So a nitrogen generator uh, and it's, you know, it's a profit center for for them as well. So I'm brand new with the company. I'm back in Florida at, uh, I mean, I've been with the company two months. You're living in Florida? No, I was here in San Diego, okay. but I'm brand new, at the time. I'm brand new with the company. Got it. I'd only been employed with them for a couple months. They sent me back for onboarding and training and all the VPs, all the big wigs are there and they're so excited. Like a bunch of little kids. There's about a dozen <laughs> of us salespeople from across the country and they're announcing this new program, this new beer program. Um, oh, okay. And we're going to roll it out in four markets. Of course, Florida here where the headquarters is so we can, and then we're going to do Chicago. We're going to do Chicago, Dallas, and Denver. And here's this young, I'm raising my hand for those of you that are watching on radio. Mm-hmm. Here's this young shy guy from San Diego. And I said, well, excuse me, San Diego was just voted the craft capital in men's journal. Right. And all these VPs are all, wait, what? all these, and I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. 
these beer experts, oh, we're going into the beer business now. You know, we're going to be, you know, the go-to as far right. as that. Well, they didn't even realize that San Diego, yeah, ever heard of Stone, ever heard of Carl Strauss, ever heard of, you know, Green Flash and, and all this other thing. Darn it, there's billboards in yeah. San Diego. They're craft, ca- craft capital of the world. So that was on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, they announced to the to the group that there's five rollout markets (laughs) and ultimately ultimately they only had a budget for four so we bumped out denver um of all cities to to bump out we bumped out denver and uh i had really stuck my foot but that's kind of the way that i go right obviously you almost got a a knife to your neck at the at the restaurant so I come back. So I come back to my depot manager here, and I said, "You know, listen, dude, you're going to be sorry that you got me a job with this company because we're going to beer school." Yeah. And he was he was stoked about it, and uh, here we are. We went to beer, beer school, and I hadn't at this time. I had not had a beer in 20 years. Mm-hmm. When I went to work for Coca Cola, I went clean and sober. Yeah. Changed my life, saved my life. Uh, we wouldn't be sitting here if I, if I hadn't done that mm-hmm. at that time. That's a story for another podcast. Right. But um, so I hadn't had a beer and I still wasn't drinking. And I'm going, okay, well, let me go around to some of my customers. They, I know they pour beer. Uh, and it, Coca-Cola had trained me. They, they destroyed me. It's all about quality. And it's, you're only as good as the last soft drink that you served. You're only as good as the last barbecue that you mm-hmm. did, the last tomahawk steak that was cut that came out of your store. Yeah, that, sure. You know, it's all about quality, right? So that was one of the things that I had brought to San Diego for Coca-Cola was the quality of the soft drinks that were being served from the fountain. We crushed Pepsi, uh, through the 90s well now we're in the 2000s it's all about beer and i'm looking at these draft systems and i don't even need i don't even need to drink a beer that looks like crap yeah and i'm not in fact it's a travis will talk about it it's it's a joke in the industry if if i'm out and about drinking beers and i'm drinking out of a can at an at a location and the draft system is sitting right there 10 feet away from me but peacock's drinking out of a out of a can. There's a and, reason. And I'll do it on purpose. <laughs> I won't even pour the can into a glass because I want to make sure that Derek and Sean know yeah. from across the room that the draft system. You better is buy not, a can. <laughs> the draft system is yeah. not drinkable here, dude. Lay your eight bucks down for this bottle or mm-hmm. can, not for what they're putting in the glass because it's going to be crap. So anyway, so I knew that there was an, I knew that there was going to be an issue with the quality of the beverages coming out of these systems. So, uh, I tried to get my clients to help me. They did uh, a little bit, but I'm all, you know what? I need to go to school. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Did you hear that San Diego state's talking about putting a program together? So I get into it real quick and I, and I sign up. I'm one of the first people to sign up for the program. And, uh, I try to get my company to pay for it, but that's no. <laughs> anyway. Um, it's actually probably good that they didn't because I own the, I own the investment there anyway. Um, so I went to school and I saw in the curriculum, yeah, we're going to be drinking beer. So I had a personal dilemma. I haven't had a beer in over 20 years Yep. to be successful in this. I've got to know I've got to, I'm going to have to drink beer Yep. and class is starting TikTok. It's September 5th, whatever. So I've got to, 
Well, in the meantime, I t- turned on my son, who was not 21 at the time. Hey, why don't you get into, I kind of manipulated the situation. <laughs> hey, why don't you get into homebrewing? Right. I hear that that's a thing. And, and it encourages science, right? Home brewing. It's all about the science, right? It's chemistry, it's biology, it's water science, it's physics, fluid dynamics, thermodynamics, all these great things. Dude, if you want to make great, great beer, you're going to have to go to school and learn all this sciencey stuff. Right. Right. So that was kind of my justification. Well, he did it. And the first beer I had was like a couple weeks before class started. Was amazing. Uh, I forget what I forget what he made. Um, That's great was, that it was amazing because the first beer I ever made, yeah, was absolutely horrible, <laughs> and I drank every last sip of it. His palate might not be where it needs to be. No, <laughs> and I'll just put that out there right now. Palate, no, you're the cicerone. Right. Thank you very much. I'm going to be giving giving you a call, right? Because listen, I know what I like, right? And I've really only sent a couple beers back. Um, usually it's not the beer's fault. Usually it's the glassware's fault Mm -hmm. or the server. Um, Dirty glassware is so, so avoidable. Yeah. I mean, just clean that. Just clean the stinking glass, you know, come on. But uh, no palate and the Cicerone thing. No, that's not beer. Again, that's your guy's job. Where I'm going to do is I I know what I like. I pretty much like it all. Mm -hmm. The only beer that I've, never really liked was the early versions of habanero sculpin Mm -hmm. from yeah shaking your head from (laughs) scripps ranch from scripps scripps ranch straight out of the brewery dude it wiped us out it wiped us out for four hours killed our taste buds we couldn't even five of us we couldn't even finish a taster of it and we left we left it behind but anyway so so you you had your beer your son's beer when it, okay, so now I've had so all what three months shy of twenty five years. So, wow. but it's it's a different life. Mm-hmm. I'm a different person, and the rationale is different now. Uh, you know, back then it was volume driven, party driven, culturally driven. You know, whatever. Now it's you know or I, masking driven. You might have been dealing with stuff that now uh, yeah. you've already dealt with it after yeah. 25 years. And no, you're absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a dad, I'm a grandfather. Right. You know, the life is different now as it, we all have our stories, sure. right? Sure. Yeah. We all have our stories, but here we are. Wow. So you did the craft the so, craft. So went into the program, took all the classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of, a lot of the instructors were clients of mine anyway. Uh, so one of the class, one of the classes was brewery startup two. So brewery startup one, uh, taught by Matt Johnson from formerly of Helms. Now he's with, uh, Bay city, Bay city. Yeah. Mm. That's if you want to, yeah. And they're trying to talk you out of it because it's a pretty scary class all. Yeah. You, you sure you want to open a brewery? Here's all the laws, the ABC, the TTB. <laughs> you sure you want to open a brewery? You know, the, yeah, this, that, yeah. and the other thing. And Helms had some pretty uh, interesting stories with their neighbors. What's that smell? What? Oh my gosh. What is that smell? Yeah. And it's heaven is what that smell is. <laughs> um, but not to the, not to the other tenants. And they felt that uh, that was uh, driving away their clients and, Anyway, um, so brewery startup two was, okay, let's put together a business plan. So it was taught by KP, who is a marketing guy 
not even in the beer industry and but he knows how to write a business plan Mm -hmm. oh man so we had a six-week class come up with a concept and we're going to write a business plan so mine was a little bit different because i did not want to do a brewery specifically but for kicks and giggles let's create this business plan um at the time Bottlecraft was one of our clients and we had just done a job for brian and uh i kind of stole the name well brian is off premise and with a little bit of on premise but bottles and craft and craft was the big buzzword mm-hmm. back then so i'm all well, wait a minute we're about taps so what about tap craft and uh, ultimately so ultimately tap craft was a class assignment that's awesome for the program so it was born in the program um i had already met travis and a couple other people in the program and they were you know we were all just cracking up over the whole thing and uh, tap craft was born uh, a couple months later, I, f- I got with uh, Candace Moon, the craft beer attorney, and Deborah Druther, who teaches uh, finance in the program. I said, what do you think? Can we put this thing together? And October of 2015, Tapcraft was born. That's awesome. One guy in his truck. Well, hey, when there's a gold rush, it's not always, you know, you don't always want to be a miner. You want to be the guy that's selling the shovels to, the, to all the miners. Uh, there, there you, you go. took a different path Good yes. for you. So anyway, so that's kind of the, and, uh, been an instructor, my class, my class does pretty well. I've had in 11 classes over the last three and a half years, over 325 students. Uh, any of them open up breweries? Oh yeah. Who uh, did they call? D- exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. Well, and then, uh, one of the other beers we have come, it's on deck is wild barrel. So wild barrel is, uh, Bill, Bill Sysak yeah. and Bill Sobieski up in San Marcos. They just had their one year anniversary this past weekend. Of course, Bill is gonna, we did their draft system. We awesome. did the draft system at burning beard. Um, we did, uh, wheat and water. Uh, our boy wheat, Ted. yeah, our boy, Ted, Hollow. uh, uh, yeah, Ted, great, Right. We, that's yeah, a di- we had Ted on the podcast. He was one of our fir- he was our first non barbecue podcast. It was nice. you know, about how he opened up Wheat and Water in La Jolla. But well, yeah. and that's a different. Not all of our clients are breweries. Yep, our clients are retailers as well. Restaurants, right? So yep. uh, you know, maybe you've heard of a few uh, Phil's Barbecue, Crack Shack. Um, uh, you know, other re- other restaurants in town. Uh, that we've done, you know, Ted at Wheat and Water and, you know, one of his partners, Doug Ritz, we had, we had worked with previously. Mm-hmm. So he understood the importance of it and their, their draft system, very complex, uh, 30 faucets, some long draw, yeah. some short draw, uh, wine, they have a wine component, red wine, which is cellar temperature and white wine, which is a little bit colder. And then they have, uh, coffee, kombucha, all localized so this beautiful beautiful gorgeous uh pipe tower that was you know custom built this you know pretty expensive and you yep. you got plenty of expenses building the place and uh you know by the time you give give a call to me you've run out of money <laughs> and uh which is kind of ironic because in my opinion the revenue centers should be the first thing that you budget for yep. when you're putting together your construction budget, right? Of course the kitchen, cause that's, what's going to bring people in the door, but uh, you know, and here's how I, here's a little bit of my pitch. Uh, 
we're all we're all guests at some point or another, whether we own a restaurant or a brewery or whatever, we're all guests because we all go out yeah. with family, friends, what, whatever, uh, to an establishment, whether it's, uh, whether it's a bar, a tavern, a brew pub or a restaurant or a stadium or a stadium. The first thing that touches your lips is usually a beverage, whether it's water, soda, coffee, beer, wine, whatever. So it's important. It's important that that be amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. And bookend it. It's the first thing that your palate touches is a beverage. And it's also what's the last thing I always do when you get get up to leave. Oh, is my beer Fini- finished? Finish your beer. Is my cocktail finished? Is my soda finished? And then uh, out of respect for Mother Earth, if I asked for water, I'm going to make sure that I take all that water with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. No, Just uh, otherwise I'm otherwise I'm being wasteful. Right. Well, all of those touch points for the guest need to be amazing. Yep. Right? Well, we can talk about the water if you want, but you're that's not a revenue stream. But you know, the the draft beverage or even when I was with Coca-Cola, you know, the quality of the post mix sure. beverage, there and there's a lot of margin in that for you the operator. Every meal needs to come with a beverage. Yeah. Whether it's a soft drink or an alcoholic beverage and, you know, oh no, I'll just have water. Well, there are some restaurant chains now that are you, you're paying for that that fancy water where they've got the special filtration and everything and it's served in a in a in a flip top yeah. bottle you're laying down a buck for that right yeah. look for it on i promise you not too many in town but there are some in other areas where they're paying for that yeah so it's a it's a revenue stream right and anyways it's very cool and how did you guys get together just to the class <clears throat> Yeah, I was a student with with Peacock. Um, I mean, we started Beer One Hundred and One. I think it was. Yeah. Um, and we just we struck up a, a friendship that way. And um, he, I, I, I almost had to talk him into starting Tapcraft a little bit because he was already in the business on that side with what he was doing a little bit. Um, and he kind of always had the idea, so I, I, I think I nudged him along a little bit. Right. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, we just uh, kept in contact through that, and then um, there was uh, students that were in the class with us that actually opened a brewery, uh, Three Punks, down in Chula Vista. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, so we're uh, it, it was a small community within the classroom that we we kept in contact with all these people that were actually doing things in the community or in the uh, industry anyway. Um, so I, I I kept in contact with him, and then um, yeah, we just kind of he was he was looking to. Um, get the get the word out there of what type of company we were and um he he brought me on board to kind of help out with that networking and getting getting the name out there um it's kind of a a niche niche industry that that he's trying to do anyway um so trying to get us in different places you know such as podcast with with you guys and and um you know restaurant groups and that type of thing getting us getting our name out there in places that might not necessarily know that we're out there but can still help um we do a a restaurant uh lunch meet up every every month and network with some people that way so it's 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 basically trying to get our name out there in front of people that right away didn't necessarily click of you know oh well we want to start serving more local product 
how do we go about doing that? Right. And now, <clears throat> now we're in a spot where we're actually getting people contacting us. Like, um, we had a sushi restaurant that had a place that they were taking over at 30 taps. They didn't need that many. They want to consolidate down to eight or 10 or something like that. What do we do with the rest of that equipment oh, yeah. to get it out right. and, and consolidate down to what we're doing? So that, that's smart of them to contact you instead of a general contractor <laughs> or like me, I'll just rip the shit out. Yeah. Well, and it's right. like, then, and then that's when you actually start costing yourself a lot of money. Yeah. And we've had, right? cause they do, it's just another piece of equipment <clears throat> right. and it's been sitting there for whatever. Oh, and it looks like crap. Mm-hmm. So it's not worth anything, but yeah, it's, we work with a lot of contractors. So, you know, I've been down here since 89, Coca-Cola brought me down here and almost immediately I started building the Peacock brand. Right. Well, regardless of who, who I work for, whether it's Coca-Cola or new CO2 or some other, uh, some other company, I don't know, give Peacock a call. Right. It's about, it's about that establishing that sure. relationship, but then also to build on something that Travis was, Travis said around the same time Tapcraft was born, there was a, a, a local distributor, beer distributor that was born brown bag beverage mm-hmm. and Susie bags. And, uh, uh, I figured, uh, I met her. She's amazing. We go to market very similarly. It's a, it's about this and it's about having your name in my, in my phone book. And I run into trouble on a Saturday and I'm, I'm out of beer and I need a keg. Susie or one of her reps, they'll throw it in the back of the you know, they'll go down to the warehouse no, absolutely. and, and it's about that level of service. Well, Travis was, uh, you were what her first employee. I was, yeah. yeah. I was, I was lugging kegs around, uh, everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. Well, it's funny. Our, our warehouse was Chula Vista and I was doing deliveries up in Oceanside. So I was, I was literally covering. And you're talking to these restaurants like, fuck, you guys knew you were low on this. Couldn't you just please? And then I, you know, I want to know, I, I want to do kind of an, uh, uh, expose, I guess of, of, um, I, I've been in some of the most disgusting uh, beer coolers in San Diego, so Jesus. I know I know exactly where to go, right? <laughs> and what's clean and what right. is not. Right. Um, but he won't let me do it quite yet, so I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm chomping at the bit for that one, just to uh, not necessarily call out these businesses, but like, right? I, you know, well, it's hard too. I mean, especially with you guys, you're you're an independent. You're not right. you're not with a distributor, right? You know, you got guys like Anheuser-Busch or, you know, when Pat was trying to do every system around and, and doing all those things, it's, you know, but you nailed it. It's about relationships and that's really what sets you apart. It's not a transactional thing. It's about how do I create this relationship where they know they can call me or they can call Travis and we're there on the Saturday when shit's going down and you guys, you know, that's our revenue stream. Right. It's the same thing that we have to do with our smokers, right? right. We, we have, we use old hickory smokers. Like I, I got to know that I can call Luke or I can call someone and be like, Hey, sure. what, what's going on? That's where it's at. You know, for guys like us, like I can't have something that's great and amazing, but I have to call and there's a customer service line and I, I can't get through. And then the part's going to come in three or four days. Right. Well, I'm down for three or four days. Fuck that. I can't, that, right. can't, that can't be, no, you know? that can't, that can't be. And we're, uh, so we're building the building the business. We're going into our 
really our third, fourth year now, small business, extreme growing pains. Uh, thank you, Travis, for talking me into opening our own business, oh, brother. It's just, you know, sleepless nights. And, you know, we have, we have a small, it's a small family, um, five of us full time, two or three of us part time, but, you know, they've got bills to pay mouths to feed sure you know that's a lot that's on I'm, your I'm, I'm feeling the pressure and you know having worked uh, i've worked for someone else my entire career and you know just took it for granted that you know the check's going to show up every two weeks or whatever and don't have to worry about it don't have to worry about collections and unless it's no it's yeah so it's kind of kind of got we're going through some changes right now i i've been pulled into the office far too much mm-hmm. my strength is out in the trade and establishing the relationships and getting peacock in the house to talk about you, you know we just did a we did Cairoa brewing mm-hmm. uh, up in uh up in university heights and uh, jessica and uh, shannon called called me in hey peacock can you come do a, a quick training for our staff yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Education is what my job is sure. um, at, uh, at any level. Right. So I went in and uh, the person that was supposed to do training behind me was running a little bit late. I just kept going. Yeah. I, I just kept going. And these are and these young I, these kids that they're staff that they're staffed with. I've known some of them from other locations. Mm-hmm. You know, they certainly know of me. Uh, I don't think there were any students uh, in that team, but they appreciate the little nuggets that I was bringing. And, you know, 40, 40 years in the industry, maybe I know a a thing or two. And what I'll tell the students is, um, you know, I'll create, I'll create a a scenario, you know, Hey, Sean, Derek and Peacock are going to go out for beers later. Who cares where we're going, wherever we go, they've already sold three beers. We haven't even walked in the door. And they've sold three beers. So my position is selling the first beer is easy. Yeah. Right? Here's the key. Can you sell the next one? And as soon as those three knuckleheads walk in the door, you got to start working on getting them their second beer. Yeah. And how are you going to do that? Well, you're certainly not going to do it if your draft system is tainting that liquid gold that, that you know, they the house spent two and a quarter for that keg. Well... No, they're not going to sell very much of it because half of it's going down the drain because the system is not maintained or designed properly. Well, okay, there's, you know, half of it down the drain. And then the other half, no, it's coming back. Oh, and those three knuckleheads. Yeah, they're not sticking around. They're going someplace else. Or was that beer amazing? Have that it was, you know, created that experience heck yeah, I want another round and we're calling up our buddies. Can you bring that table over here? Because we got four more guys coming. And who do we talk to about setting up a meeting here for next week? Yep. Because we're having a company company party. That's the what you need to create. And I'm painting this scenario for the students and they're, you know, ding, 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 ding. The lights are going off in the room going, and it, whether you're the guest or whether you're an employee or whether you're an owner, we need to be having that conversation. And it's been taken for granted for so, so long. Oh, just plug in the plug in the Coke machine and 
you know, push the little lever and a Coke comes out. Oh, just pull that handle. Yeah. And, you know, here's what's happened. Here's what's happened as far as the operators, the retailers are concerned is as this industry has gone vertical over the last decade, there is a vacuum at the bottom for qualified staff. Right. So the best example is the ballpark Yep. at Petco. And number one, Petco being just one of the top three ballparks in all of Major League Baseball to begin with. So great job building a beautiful facility. And then, oh, let's be the craft beer ballpark. Right. Well, third party contractors run those stands. Correct. And it is a warm body and I'm not begging on anybody that, that that's doing this. No, it's honest. Uh, it's honest. Absolutely. That's the biggest fear about going, you know, expanding your brand into a stadium is that you lose you that go. control. And so one of my one of my fellow instructors, Jake Noons, who's the GM over at North Park Beer Company, uh, was previously with Ballast Point before the before the acquisition uh, by Constellation and uh he sent me, he teaches, uh, he teaches beer styles too. Uh, so he sends me this, uh, this picture of a ballast point marketing image of Petco because there's a whole tower of ballast point beers, mm-hmm. right? And the beer tender is doing everything <laughs> wrong. I'm saying I can't even imagine what he's grabbing. He's grabbing the tap handle at the top. Very top. He's got the glass jammed up into the, into the faucet and submerging. And I, you know, it was just a still picture, but I'm sure that it was just going to be overflowing. So you know, part of me is, and he's embarrassed by it. And I'm all, listen, I get that it's a marketing picture and you've got to stage it accordingly. But if it had gone past my desk for approval, I would have turned it down. You still need to demonstrate, not just to the locals, but to the world that you're representing the brand correctly. So that in a nutshell is the story of our life. I'm out there and nobody's having this conversation. Well, that's uh, well, Sean has to do it, at, uh, or you did have to do it, right? Yeah. And, um, oh, absolutely. Down at, uh, at now it's Pechanga Arena. Arena. Pechanga Arena, right. which used to be Valley View Casino. Oh, yeah. But we sell our barbecue down there. So a lot of what we had to do is going in and training the staff of how things need to be plated. Because it's how, not his staff. Because right. it's not my staff. No, exactly. it's a third-party contractor. Right. Yeah. But Levy, thankfully, I mean, we have an incredible oh, relationship with them. And I they're, love them. You know, they're so hands-on, even their managers, right. that... If I go to a Gulls game and I see the barbecue sauce isn't full, I get I, all I have to do is look at them and they know and they get it filled. So, so actually, that's actually a, a good possible revenue stream for us is because I do trainings. I do trainings, mm-hmm. right? How about I do a training for one of these uh, concessionaires when they go into a uh, when they go into a facility? Hey, let's just how can we have a 30, 45 minute, one hour Absolutely. draft systems session for before you open your doors, whether you're going into Petco or Pachanga or Dodger Stadium or whatever, just to help, you know, it, it's painful enough that that 20 ounce beer is 18 bucks. Sure. Uh, <laughs> it's painful enough, but listen, we can kind of, temper that a little bit mitigate mitigate that pain point for the consumer absolutely. and let's deliver it awesome absolutely right so 
that's here. I'll give you guys credit if I can sign that deal with uh, <laughs> with these concessionaires. And whether it's Levy or Delaware North, absolutely, or, or AEG, I mean, yeah, whoever, whoever it is, it's whoever about education. it is. It, it, it's important because ultimately, this this industry comes down to. And I was talking about it. I think before before we went on air, you know, as humans, we're designed for fellowship. Yeah, and uh, you know the industry. If you're in this industry to make millions, that's needs to be revisited because that's not the value for me personally now as a business owner. That's not the value that I get out of this. So I'm old school Zig Ziglar. Um, you know, what did they call it? The high, the highway university back when you had these, it wasn't podcasts, it was cassette tapes yeah, <laughs> or it was CDs yep. and you put it, you know, for, for doing that Zig Ziglar, one of Zig Ziglar, John, John Maxwell, uh, Covey, all of these, uh, you know, and even my pastor, Miles McPherson at the rock, these guys have, have nuggets of wisdom. Well, Zig Ziglar one of his things, and I'm not going to get the quote exactly right. Um, you can get everything in life that you want if you help enough others get what they want. So I go back to a conversation I had with a little mom and pop when I was with Coca-Cola. And here I come in. I've got the Coca-Cola trademarked vehicle. I'm all Dapper Dan, you know, with my with my Coca-Cola shirt and my business card and I've got my sales book and it's Coca-Cola logo, the most recognized trademark in the world. And what's this Betty's Kitchen? Why Coca-Cola, why do you even care about Betty's Kitchen? And you know, what can you do for me? And I'm all, Oh my gosh, I'm coming in. I, I need to change my pitch because yeah. that's completely the opposite right. of what it is. Coca-Cola sure. started off as one location, yeah. right? No, it's my it, Betty. Let's sit down and have a conversation sure. or Phil pace yeah. up in mission Hills, yeah. Goldfinch. At, up in that location. For sure. Phil, 20 years ago, Phil and I sat down and ha had a conversation and he, he's, God bless him. He's still one of our customers, mm -hmm. uh, one of our customers today. But Betty, this is your dream. Right. This is your dream. It's got your name literally on the outside of the thing. <clears throat> what can I do? And to bring the power of this, the, the, the equity of this global brand to Betty's Cafe. I think that's something good for our listeners to hear. And it's what, when you go into somewhere... And if you're selling something or whatever it is that you're doing, it's that what added value are you bringing right. to those people? And it can't be just, it can be just to try to get a transactional thing done. Right. But the majority of the time is you just have to be a good person and you do those things genuinely. Good things will follow. The money always follows. Right. It always follows. Just be a good person. Right. Do the right thing. Try to help that person. Right. See what you can do for them. All of a sudden, that that gain that you were trying to get, that what you're trying to do, right. it it comes. Right. It's there, but it's a process, and it's not just about me, 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 me. Right. What, what what am I gonna get? What are you gonna do for me? It's like no. What what, what can I do for you? I, I want to put myself out there as much as I can to see what I can do for other people. Right. That's where it's at. That's and those feelings. The money follows, which is great, but those feelings that you get, money can't even buy that shit. Right. You cannot buy what that value. Well, yeah, priceless. Right. Yeah. So again, back to our tagline, we're all in this thing together. Right. 
right? Yeah. I say that, uh, I say that how many times a day and coming, a lot. coming, yeah, a lot <laughs> coming from, coming from everything that I do, we're all in this thing together and it's, and it's a bunch of little things. So we had the resilience. I mean, uh, they were telling me at GameCraft, they've just, that location has generated over $6,000 from resilience sales to the, to the, to the fund. It's amazing. Right. I mean, it's awesome. just huge. These glasses that you're drinking out of, this is the store I cup. 2018. This is a local uh, charity driven. Brian Beagle uh, is uh, the the Sora guy. So this is a an annual competition. Tapcraft is supporting it again. Year seven this year. It's a competition between all local San Diego craft breweries. A competition between year round produced beers. So. Uh, so number one, you need to have been in business for a year or more sure. and you need to have been producing this beer for the last 12 months, not a seasonal, uh, not a seasonal, not a seasonal thing. So this, this, they have a big competition. It's a big thing. There's voting. It's mm -hmm. th this, that, and the other thing. And then they come up with the top 10 and 10 of us get around and that's a heck of a day. We come up with, you know, the winners uh, of that, but the whole thing benefits charity awesome this whole thing benefits charity and which which do you remember which charity this is i don't remember that one but it, it that one focuses on a uh he does a, a food drive at the end of the year right um, the sorai sudsmas and which, he yeah. he generated over seven thousand pounds of food in, oh, wow. in december um, cool. through this food drive That's so amazing. he does that in the summer and then he does the the food drive um towards the end of the year right it's, with it's, it's a food drive with uh coordinated with society mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they brought in, Sorai brought in about 50% of the food donations yeah. to that bigger cause. And, uh, you know, it's tapping into the industry, mm -hmm. right? And, and I'll support this all day long. Uh, one of the things that Tapcraft wants to do is, uh, as we grow and, and get bigger, again, giving back, all of the employee, all seven of us, eight of us, we all have our own personal charity, that we would like to benefit. And again, this industry is all about collaboration, right? So, uh, you know, me and my crazy mind, I'm thinking, let's do, let's do a tap craft collaboration. Uh, let's say with burning beard where, uh, for me, my, my charity is voices for children, which uh, supports foster, foster kids. Let's do, let's do a, a beer with burning beard. Let's agree with burning beard on what that beer is going to be, how big the, the batch is going to be. Obviously they'll have it in their tasting room mm -hmm. and they'll sell it. And then we'll take, take it to our pocket accounts. We'll take yep. it to Ted over at Wheat and Water and, yep. and I'll say, you know, Hey, we're doing a charity thing. You want to be part of this? Uh, you, you sell it and let's generate some revenue. It's going to voices for children at the, uh, we'll put it out in the trade, maybe 20, 30 locations mm -hmm. until, and we'll make a big deal out of it. Social media, this, that, and the other thing. And again, we're all in this thing together, helping this and look at the beer community and coming together. And it's just, uh, um, amazing make a big deal out of it and hopefully that'll i can you know we can only lead by example right absolutely and it needs to be okay that you know we're not driving a bentley and that sure. we're not doing this and that you know we all know somebody that that's had cancer 
We all know somebody that's been in the foster system and, uh, you know, listen, life's tough enough. Sure. Just add one of the, there's enough crap out there, right? Yeah. So let's link arms however however we can. Absolutely. Anyway. Well, we, uh, I mean, we appreciate you guys coming down here and, you know, everything that you're doing, obviously, with continuing education is huge. So any of our listeners that are interested in the SDSU program, we'll put uh, links in the show notes, um, as well as the things that we talked about today. How do people get in touch with you guys? Uh, have questions. Yeah, we do most stuff on Instagram. Uh, it's tapcraft underscore draft. Uh, it's D-R-A-U-G-H-T. Uh, it's a proper spelling, I guess. Um <laughs> Brewers Association spells it that way, so that's how we do it. And then uh, Facebook as well. You can find us. Uh, I think if you do at Tapcraft SD, um, you can Perfect. find us there. We do we do most of our stuff through those those two mediums. Um, Tapcraft.net. You can also find our stuff there. Perfect. Well, if uh, anybody has any questions, we're going to make sure they uh, reach out to you. Every week we do a behind the smoke shout out. So anybody using the hashtag behind the smoke doesn't always have to be barbecue. It can be beer, business, um, whatever you're doing. We appreciate you listening to the show. But this week it's going to Brandon Hodges of Pale Blue Smoking Co. Um, He's doing catering, barbecue parties, mobile pop-ups, live fire cooking right here in beautiful mid-Michigan. So... um, Congrats to Brandon Hodges, and uh, we're going to send you out a Behind the Smoke mug. We appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Um, If you want to know beer in San Diego, reach out to these guys because they're the experts. Thank you guys for coming on the show. Thanks Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us.